Hey there, this is Ben Sanders, lead pastor of Revelation. We are so honored that you've tuned in to our podcast today. Even if you're not a part of our Revelation family here in Frisco, Texas, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search for Revelation Frisco on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also go to revelationfrisco.church to get to know us a little bit better and even plan a visit. It is my prayer today that this message brings you one step closer to Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Today, the title of this message is a very simple title. It's simply this, The Grace of God. The Grace of God. Of God. I believe that God wants to bring somebody in this room today, somebody under the sound of my voice, whether you're listening on our podcast or whether you're watching online, that He wants to give you a sense of peace like you have not had in a very long time, if ever. He wants to bring a sense of peace to you that passes all understanding. That people look at you and they wonder, how in the world could you have peace in the middle of what you're going through? Because I know something about your life. I know kind of what you're going through, and yet you seem to be at peace. How is that possible? And you will be able to answer and say, it's only by the grace of God. I believe today that there is freedom uh, in this house today. That there is something that is going to lift off of you that has been trying to drag you down and hold you back back. Some chains that have bound you will fall off today uh, at the, the power of the Word of God and freedom in this house. And I believe that some of you have been struggling today. You, you walked into this house today and you said, you know, I, I'm just not sure how much more I can take. I'm not sure if I can handle it. I'm not sure if I have the strength to go on. And I want to tell you that you don't, but He does. And by his grace, you're going to receive strength today, supernatural strength today, because it is through the grace of God. Now, grace is one of those words that we use uh, a lot. And a lot of times we use that and we think, what is it? we don't even think about what it means. But really what it means is very simple. It just simply means that you have unmerited favor. It's the favor of God that you didn't deserve. That there's no reason that he should give it. He just does. He looks out and he sees somebody and he says, I'm going to give them grace. And you say, me? Yes, you. He's going to give you grace today. Unmerited favor. Why? Because he wants to. It is, it, that's deep if you think about it. It doesn't sound very deep. But when God wants to do something, he just does it. And God wants to give you grace today. God wants to give you favor today. God wants to bring you close to himself today. And that's a good thing. And that's something that can bring hope to you. And so today we're going to talk about peace, freedom, and strength. And we're going to start with peace. And we're going to turn to a story that you've probably heard a hundred times, if not a thousand. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 33. This is the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And it simply says this, when they came to the place that is called the skull. That's also Golgotha in some translations. It simply means the skull. There they crucified him, talking about Jesus, and the criminals. One criminal on his right and one criminal on his left. And so here is Jesus crucified, hanging between two thieves. The innocent one hanging between those who should have been convicted in the first place. And in verse 39, we see that one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Oh, we've heard about you. Aren't you, aren't you supposed to be the Christ, the, the anointed one, the Messiah? Well, save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. We deserve to be hanging on this cross, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is salvation. This is a story of salvation. This is the story of salvation for a man who did not deserve salvation. Think on it. A thief. A cheat. A liar. Caught in the act. Hanging on the cross where he deserved to be. Receiving his reward for his sin. His crime. And yet, Jesus looks at him and says... Today, you're with me. That's profound. That's profound. How is this even possible? Because the thief did not even pray. He did not recite a prayer. A lot of times we think about salvation. We think about it in a church setting. We think, oh, I know how salvation works. You want to be saved? Raise your right hand and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I am a sinner. Make me the Lord. I want to be. I want you to be the Lord of my life, and something along those lines. And and then we have some other words that sounds really good. And if you repeat those words, and if you have said that, then you are saved. Jesus didn't do that to the thief on the cross. He wasn't baptized. You say, well, baptism hadn't been introduced yet. Oh yes, it had. Jesus and John the Baptist were going around preaching, repent, and people were being baptized. The thief had probably had an opportunity to be baptized, and he had not. And here he is hanging on the cross, and now he can't be baptized. And yet he says, Jesus, I want to be with you in paradise. And Jesus says, come on in. There was no recited sinner's prayer. There was no baptism that he received. And sometimes people will say, if you want to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus and then start bearing the fruit of salvation. You need to, you need to go out and start bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You be kind to people and be meek and humble and, and start doing the right things. Well, he couldn't do that. And Jesus said, today you're with me. Well, that's profound, isn't it? I mean, when you think about that. And how is this even possible? And, and I believe that the answer is not found in uh, dispensationalism. I'm not, a, I'm not a dispensationalist, sorry to surprise you. Uh, I do not believe that God deals with people at different ways throughout the history of time. I believe that God has always dealt with people the same way, and that is by grace through faith. Every time, all the time, Still today, God responds to faith with grace. And he gives us the grace that we don't deserve. And he does it because he wants to. And if we have faith today, we can receive that grace. Always and forever. Until the end of time, that's how God is going to deal with man. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, let's look at it. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. He goes, and you were dead. If you're like that thief, you're just as good as dead. I mean, he's, he can't help himself. He's, not, he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. It's just going to be a little while. He, he's in a place where he's just as good as dead. And Paul says, you were dead. Now, he's writing to people that are alive physically, they're breathing, they're eating, they're drinking, they're going about their lives. But he says, you look like you're alive, but you're dead. See, and spiritually, you can be dead and still be walking around. 
It's true. You, there, there's only two states in the kingdom of God. You're either dead or you're alive, and it has nothing to do with whether you're breathing. It has everything to do with the state of your soul. It has everything to do with where your faith is put. And so you can be alive and breathing and still kicking, so to speak. But if you're not walking in Jesus Christ, you're dead. That's what Paul says. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That was, that was before he's talking about something that was in the past. Once you were that way. You were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In other words, we were dead even though we're out walking around just like everybody else. We did what we wanted to do. If our flesh desired it, that's what we did. And so we were led by that. We were dead. Look at verse 4. But God. Isn't that a great title of a message? I wouldn't be the first one to ever preach that. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has uh, loved us, then even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He saw you in your sins. He saw the way you were. He saw that you were dead, but he wanted to make you alive. God's not happy that you're dead. God wants you to be alive. It's, it's not God's pleasure to even punish the wicked because he wants the whole world to come alive. And by grace, he saves those who turn to him. Look at verse 6. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. This is how the thief could be saved. This is how the thief on the cross who is hanging there, and he, he can't bear fruit in his life. He, he can't be baptized. He didn't even know there was a sinner's prayer to pray because that didn't even exist. He didn't, all, he could, all he could say is express his desires like, I think you're the Christ, and I want to be with you. And Jesus said, good enough for me, you're with me. And maybe you're stuck today. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like there's no way out of a hard situation. Maybe you're filled with anxiety and with worry and, and doubt. And you think, I, I can't do this. I can't make it. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Uh, maybe you've, you've messed up and there's just no good way to make it right. Like the thief on the cross. He's stuck in a way. There's, there's no way to make this right. You feel like it's about to be over and there's no other options. I'm not the thief on the cross, but it kind of feels that way. Today, in faith, you can find rest in his grace. You see, the thief, he made his bed and now he was lying in it. He, he was. And he was on his deathbed. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you go, I'm not on my deathbed. But I'm in a bed that I made, and it's uncomfortable. But I can tell you this. Whether you're in your deathbed or a bed that you made, grace is a great pillow. Grace is a great pillow. Yeah. You, you, you can't drop your responsibilities. Can't do it. 
But you can drop your anxiety and you can have a soul at rest when you know that God's grace will help you on the way to making it through. He's going to give you the grace. He's going to give you the favor to do the hard work of making it right. He's going to help you to do what you couldn't do for yourself. He's going to give you grace today in a hard place. Let's take a look in the book of John chapter 8, verse 3. This is the story of Jesus who was teaching when the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman to him. Take a look, verse 3. Brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. Now, she'd been caught in the very act. Now, if you, if you study your Old Testament, you'll know that in order to convict somebody of adultery, in order to stone them to death, uh, the bar of proof was very high. They had to actually be in the act. It couldn't be hearsay. It couldn't be, well, I thought it was. It, it sounded like. It had to be, I saw it, and there was witnesses to it. Okay? Now, you can read into that story. There's some people trying to set somebody up, and they're trying to set Jesus up. So they knew something was going on, so they probably sent in some spies so they could watch the act, commit and sin themselves, okay? And bring this woman to her or to, to Jesus and say, and placed her in the midst, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They're trying to set him up. They know he doesn't want to stone anybody. They think he's, you know, he's teaching love and acceptance and, and all these things. So what do you say? Because they want to have some charge to bring against him. Well, Jesus just bends down where she is and starts writing in the dirt with his finger. Now, we don't know what he wrote. We don't, we don't, the Bible doesn't say. But he was writing. He was doodling. He was doing something like he didn't even hear them. He just stoops down and he begins to write in the dirt. Now, some ancient manuscripts, uh, there's a couple of them that say that he, that he wrote the sins of all the people that wanted a stoner in the dirt. We don't know that. That's not in uh, most of the manuscripts. But it makes a great story. As they continue to ask him, well, come on, tell us, what, what, would you, what would you say? He stood up and he said to them, let he who is without sin be the first to throw the stone. The one who is without sin, throw the first stone. Now, that's kind of a catch because, again, if they'd sent somebody in to spy her out in the act, they're committing sin themselves. It's like, well, how, hold on a second. I committed a sin to catch them in a sin so that I could try to pin a sin on Jesus. I don't like how this is turning out. And so they begin one by one to leave, and Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. But Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman... Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Is there no one here to condemn you? Is there no one here to, to say that you should be stoned? And she looks around. She says, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. It's very important. Jesus was the only one who was left. The only one who was left. Remember what he said. Whoever's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Jesus is the only one without sin. Jesus is the only one that could throw the stone. Jesus is the only one that could execute judgment on her. And he had every right to do it under the law. But if we look at what he responded to, the way he responded to her sin was simple to this. He said, I'm going to give you grace. You don't deserve it. 
There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that you've done that makes you deserve grace, except that I want to give you grace. And so he did. And the second thing is he recognized her sin and told her to stop doing it. So we always forget that part. We, we, like, we like the grace of God to say, I'm going to give you grace, even though you're, you're living a sinful life, I'm going to give you grace. Thank you, Jesus. Now, go and sin no more. I didn't hear that part. But it's important to hear that part. God's grace is not a license to sin. God's grace is a license to go on from sin. It's, it's freedom. This is the difference between conviction and condemnation. You see, conviction brings the opportunity for grace and an escape from our sin, and condemnation offers no escape. The thief was condemned to die. There was no escape from the cross. This woman was condemned to die by stoning. There was no escape, but grace gave her a way out. She was convicted of her sin. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin, but it will not bring condemnation on you. There is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. There's conviction. And conviction says, I give you grace. Now, stop doing that. Conviction of sin leads to his grace that allows you to change and to experience freedom. So today, you may have walked into this room with sin in your life. You may have walked in here being far from God. But right now, you can become right with God. Right here in this moment. This is your hour. This is your moment. This is, this is what you've been waiting for. Because right now, you can choose to turn to Jesus and he will accept you. And he will give you freedom to walk out of here without that sin. Today is not judgment day. Today is the day for grace. Today is not the day that your life ends and you're judged. Today is the day that you can choose grace and walk out of here free. That's what it is. Today is the day for freedom. Grace brings us peace, and grace brings us freedom. And grace also brings us something else very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, we'll just jump right in the middle of his conversation. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, I'm, I'm receiving all these revelations from God. I've got all this great understanding that God has given me. I, I've seen Jesus in, in visions and being caught up to the third heavens and all these kinds of things. But uh, to keep me from feeling like I'm better than everybody else, to kind of keep my pride in check, uh, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. This is probably something physical that has happened to his body. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times I asked God, God, take this from me. Uh, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I don't need to make you whole, Paul. I don't need to heal your body, Paul. Uh, you, need, you need that, Paul. Oh, you're going to get proud. You, you need that, or you're going you're to get too big for your britches or robe, whatever you were wearing back then. I'm going to allow this weakness in you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I think we can all relate to that because we all have some weakness. There's nobody in this room that's perfect. There's nobody in here that can boast that you're uh, an amazing disciple of Jesus Christ. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses. We all have failures. We all have moments where uh, we're slack and lazy sometimes and we don't do the things that we should do. We all, we all do that. Romans chapter 3, this is Apostle Paul writing again. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
That's a message in itself. Everybody sinned. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. And didn't stop there. And are justified by his grace as a gift. We all have fallen short. We're all filled with sin. We've all not uh, been able to uh, build up our lives to be worthy of receiving the glory of God, and yet we're justified by his grace as a gift. Amazing. Through the redemptions in Christ Jesus. So when we come to an understanding of what his grace has done, when we come to an understanding of what God does with grace in us and continues to do in us, it changes our state of being and feeling. You, you may have walked in here today very low, very weak, spiritually feeble, mentally exhausted. And yet, as we begin to understand his grace and experience it, it changes our stature, our spiritual stature. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in his grace. His grace, his grace causes us to not be weak. His grace causes us to not be feeble. His grace causes us to not be down and out. His grace causes us to stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It changes our stature. And the grace of God changes our spiritual position. And the, the grace of God changes what comes out of us when we begin to understand what he has done. So yes, Paul, I know you got this thorn in the flesh, but God's grace will ensure that his will is done in you by his strength, not yours. He will lift your head and he will cause you to stand in faith. Well, that sounds great. How do we get there? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. Very simple verse, but it's, it's the key today. Proverbs 3, 34 says, Towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. That word favor there is grace. It's just a different translation. Favor, grace, to the humble. If we will lower ourselves and he lifts us up. A lot of times we, we feel like, oh, I've sinned, and so I've fallen out of grace. I was in grace, I was in God's good graces, but now I sin, so I'm falling out of grace. Well, that's the wrong, no, you don't. You don't fall out of grace. You fall into grace. You see, if you fall out of grace, that's a problem. But if we fall, we need to fall into grace rather than fall out. We, we fall out of the need for our own strength, we fall out of the need for our own wisdom. We fall out of the need to feel like we're the victim. We fall out of the need to feel like we're just so desperate. When you fall totally and completely into the grace of God, you'll find yourself standing in the midst of suffering, standing in the midst of weakness, standing in the midst of turmoil. Uh, you cannot fall into grace and be unchanged because to fall into him is to forsake your weakness. To fall into him is to forsake your excuses. To fall into him is to, to change from your sin. And it's on us to fall into him. It's on him to stand us up. If we will humble ourselves today, 
and fall into his grace, he will stand us up. If we will pour out our mourning into him, if we will give out our weakness to him, he will put rejoicing inside of us. It's called grace. And you say, wow, that's, that's, that's hard for me to grasp. I, I don't think that I deserve that. And you don't. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called grace. Grace is here for you today. If you are here in this room and you're, you're struggling with sin, you're struggling with the lust of the flesh, grace is here for you. If you're in this room today and you're filled with bitterness and cynicism, grace is here for you today. If you're under the sound of my voice and you, you've been confused about your gender identity, grace is here for you. If you're not sure of your sexual preference, Grace is here for you. If you've had an abortion, grace is here for you. If you've got a problem with your temper and you're filled with rage, grace is here for you. If you're an alcoholic and a drug addict, grace is here for you. If you're overcome by fear, grace is here for you. If you are a single parent and you're trying to be mom and dad and you're just overwhelmed by all of it, grace is here for you. If you feel like you're just an outright failure, grace is here for you. If you're completely overcome by the circumstances of life, grace is here for you. If you're sick in your body, grace is here for you. If you're sick and tired of just being sick and tired, grace is here for you. Grace is in this room today, and it's available to you. Today, you need, a, you need a supernatural encounter with the grace of God. You need something to get down inside of you that is just different than what you've experienced in a while. You, you need something to shake loose the things that have been weighing you down and holding you back. You, you need something to, to declare that you are free. You need something to bring that sense of peace. You need something to speak to those anxieties, and that is the grace of God in the house today. Uh, you need to hear God say, today you're with me. You need to hear God say, you can go on from your sin. You need to hear God say that I'm going to be your strength. You're going to make it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to change your life. You need to hear that today. And that's going to happen here for somebody in this room today. It's going to happen for somebody listening to the podcast. It's going to happen for somebody watching online. You can receive today from the grace of God.